You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review. It is Wednesday, June 19th, and I am mad as hell. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to delay my feelings. I know yesterday I tried to give you a little bit more of an optimistic view, and I kind of regret that every time I do that. Um, I'm losing my voice because I've just been yelling on the phone all day. Um, I don't even know if I've tweeted that much today just because I've been so involved with this. I tried to get out my article before on this border bill that the lovely bipartisan swamp losers passed out of committee. Um, <sighs> trying, to, trying to see how to say this. I'm, I'm really at a loss of words. And it's never good to do things in anger but I will tell you I'm pretty angry. I'm angry most prominently because of my so-called conservative friends that I have. The reason we have a phony conservative movement in this country is to tell us that the pee on our leg is really water, is when we're just trying to get energy behind telling the truth of what's going on and what really needs to happen, they jujitsu that energy, give a loincloth to the Democrats as if they solved the problem, but really they made it worse. Last night, you had the show in Orlando where Trump announced his re-election campaign. Now, let me just tell you, I pray for the president every day. I badly want him to succeed because there's nobody else, at least earthly being, that is in a position to do anything. There's going to be no primary challenge from the right, that's for sure. So he's all we got. I so badly want this man to succeed. I so badly, you are my witness that I've tried Every day of his presidency on every important issue, and certainly most prominently the last year on immigration, but we've done this on health care, every spending bill, given the right messaging, the right information, the right strategies, why you shouldn't do this, why you should do this. Nobody has put more ink on paper than I have on all these issues. So this is all constructive. I want I want the man to succeed. But you listen to the guy's announcement speech, and it's almost like it's almost like he's a challenger. It's like there's a Democrat in charge. You know, hey, we're going to do this, that. Well, what's going on now? What's going to change? You already have control. Oh, uh, keep America great again. Which America? The one with 38,000 apprehensions a month when you announced your first candidacy? Or the one with 144,000 today with you as president? It's always an excuse. Oh, we can't do this. This is the best we can get. Oh, the the, the district judge. Oh, the 60-vote threshold. Oh, really, this bill makes it worse than current law, but nah, it's the best we can get. Every time we need a movement to stand up, they stand down. And then people in the administration tell us to stand down because they need cover. And then they tout these metrics like, Oh, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is a, a, an, a, an applause punchline. Kavanaugh sucks. I'm sorry. His record stands for itself, and we're just getting started. Oh, all these lower court judges Trump appointed. That's lovely, but look at the metric. Judicial supremacy is worse than ever. We have an invasion solely because of lawfare. 
You can appoint whatever judges you want. But if you are going to accede to the point that Democrats could go to any selected California judge and shut down our sovereignty, it doesn't matter. You're not addressing the point. Spending? 18.2% higher than under Obama. Healthcare? Obamacare is more popular than ever thanks to the messaging of this party. We don't know how to look at enduring metrics. And then you have today. So picture picture there being a fire at the border. And I'm going to get to our guest in a minute. I just got to get this off my chest. Picture you got a fire at the border. And you're begging the politicians, look at the inferno, look at it, look at it. And finally, a year later, a year into this, they swiftly turn into their t- turn towards the border and they douse it with lighter fluid and a blowtorch. The very elements that are fueling it, they step on the gas pedal with it. And the Trump administration officials and conservative thumb-sucking phony losers, and that's the nice version, tell us, no, this Daniel, this is good, Bill. It's the best we can get. It, it starts the process. Um... And all it does is make current law worse as it did in February. Remember when we told you the provision protecting those smuggling illegals into this country and paying cartel members, they themselves here illegally, protecting them from deportation. So we were supposed to get stuff from the budget bill. We went backwards. They tell us the pee on our leg is water. Same thing today. So Senate Appropriations Committee has this markup of this border supplemental bill. And basically, a year-long problem that we've spoken about in hours upon hours upon hours of podcasts, probably millions of written words, within 10 minutes, they pass at 30 to 1, no problem. Why did the Democrats suddenly agree to address the border? Because it addresses the arson. This doesn't fund a single dollar for deportation. A single dollar for more ICE agents, which is the only thing we really need more money for. A single dollar for boats, horses, dogs. For interdiction at the holding the line of scrimmage. A single dollar for a media campaign in Central America to announce that you can no longer come here. This is stuff Obama requested. In 2014, when the crisis, when the interdict, when the apprehensions were a third of what they are today, yet, and and really, I'm I'm at the verge of profanity here. These blanking, phony loser conservatives are to the left of where Obama was on this issue in 2014. 4.5 billion, the majority of it is for HHS. I want you to understand what that means. That means. Refugee resettlement. That means the people that we are supposed to deter with this border funding bill, you are funding to permanently resettle them. So the 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 other billion of it is like for DHS humanitarian aid. So that at least you could say like, okay, you're maybe more efficiently doing catch and release, but eventually you could catch up with these people and deport them. When you f- give more money to HHS, ORR, Office of Refugee Resettlement, They are permanently resettling these people. You cannot deport them afterwards. And now, thanks to the provision that is in February that that Trump could have vetoed and had a clean CR in a minute, we can't deport the sponsors. You may as well give $2.88 billion 
to the cartel straight up. It's to further the criminal conspiracy, the circuitous smuggling operation. And everyone's like, well, Daniel, what do you expect? The OR is out of money. They'll just be left on the streets. You know what? Well, that would be better. That would be better than what they did today. Because at least you could deport them. If you affirmatively resettle them, they're like refugees, like legal immigrants. You know what's funny? You know what they start doing? Here's a tactic. And, And the Democrats, men, are they good. Men are they good at what they do. So what Democrats do is the art of the deal. You know, like Trump was supposed to do, but isn't capable of doing. So what Democrats do is they keep raising the baseline, moving the Overton window. So they're like, we're going to cut your balls off. And then our job is to push that back, right? So we have a certain leverage point that we should be pushing that back. Democrats come to the negotiation saying we're going to double the cutting the balls off. So then, then Republicans are like, they, they come to a deal where we're only going to do the baseline first balls cutting that we established before. And Republicans are like, see, Daniel, we had a victory. We, we prevented the extra stuff. So what they were going to do is they were going to strengthen the provision in February that Republicans told me they had to agree to to further bar ICE from using HHS information. Meaning now they could observe the information, but they can't use it. They had a provision. They wanted to say you can't even use it. Oh, so we left that much out. Look, I could have agreed to this if we got something, one thing, a little bit of funding for deportation plus refugee resettlement garbage. Flores, something, but nothing. It's all for illegals. And then even the little bit that's sundry, like, Department of Justice, $65 million, which is peanuts, for 30 new immigration judge teams. What the hell does that even mean? But here's another thing. They add funding for the legal orientation program to give legal aid to illegals. The entire problem is lawfare, right? The, the entire thing germinated from illegals in contravention to 130 years of settled precedent getting standing to sue us in court. I, I said before on the show, that what the LOP program is, is it gives them orientations, gives them a list of pro bono services that they can access, gives them a little bit of help to direct them. Jeff Sessions wanted to get get rid of that program. In today's bill, they funded it with more money. And then the funding they give to HHS and DHS is all for transporting, processing illegals. Not a single thing for enforcement. Not one dime. And then it has all these provisions of requiring paperwork for HHS to to more be accountable for separating families. It's all about the illegals, not about the American people. And I'm sorry for screaming my head off. I just, I can't help it. And then more, more here, provisions about Mandating that Congress, members of Congress have access to the shelters so they could further agitate. This wasn't like, oh, Democrats reluctantly agreed or it's weak. It's not weak. This is AOC's agenda, codified. And all the Freedom Caucus guys and, and Trump administration officials are like, Daniel, I got to stand. This is good stuff. I'm going to blow up, but I, I, I can't. I mean, I had to get that out. Anyway, Jason Jones is on the line, has become a regular advisor 
here at the conservative conscience. And, um, you know, Jason's been getting around lately. Thankfully, he was on Lou Dobbs last night. People are starting to hear of him and actually have a real border expert on the show. Recently, Jason visited the border for the first time in a little while. One of the hot spots in the Rio Grande Valley. He was taking Lara Logan on a trip for a, uh, you know, a series of videos she is producing. And he saw a lot of things. He saw all the things these schmucky Republican congressmen and administration officials are incapable of talking about. The cartels and what they're doing, the security problems to the American people. So we're, we're, we're going to get a briefing here, and I'm going to shut up in a minute because I'm just going to blow a fuse. Hey, Jason, thanks for joining me, particularly today. <laughs> Good to be with you, Dan. I, I, I just I can't help it. I, I can't help it. Um, let's, let's start off with this. You know, you ran the border operation for the Texas Rangers under Rick Perry to, to hold the line at the border, the most robust state effort ever towards combating illegal immigration. How did you feel going down to the border this past week, watching all of your work thrown in the garbage and how it's worse than ever? Yeah, well, first I'll tell you, uh, I want to thank you for all you're doing because you're doing a fantastic job getting the word out to the American people about what's really happening on the border and trying to, you know, just just be that voice and that avenue to tell them. And I, I, I want to give you a lot of credit for that. Uh, but to answer your question, it was really frustrating, you know, to see that my my state that had put so much money, resources and efforts had pulled out of the border. And that, you know, most importantly and most frustratingly is to see the, the men and women of Border Patrol who are operating between the ports of entry to be so shorthanded operationally and to see them needing backup and needing support and needing agencies from other federal government uh, agencies, along with the Department of Defense, to, to be in such need of support and not get it. I have to tell you, it was very frustrating. But to kind of let the folks know where I was and where we were operating is an important point here. Uh, just uh, west of McAllen, Texas, is a little community known as Roma, Texas. From Roma back towards McAllen, uh, the wall is not there. That is the missing link. And, and, and it's, the wall comes just outside of McAllen to a little town known as Panita. So you got about a 40-mile stretch where the wall is not. And this is, is not present. And this is the, the importance point of why we took Laura Logan and her incredible team down there. They wanted to be at ground zero to film a border story. She's doing a great piece down there to talk about the criminal side. You know, there's a lot of discussion on the migration going on, but no one is talking about the criminal side that we see where the border wall ends. So I took her to ground zero. This area in Roma is... The the it is the spot where the largest intelligence collection effort by a criminal organization, Cartel del Gapo, CDG, also known as the Gulf Cartel, is occurring against U.S. law enforcement. And it is also ground zero for the, the level of trade craft that is not being seen anywhere in the United States being conducted against U.S. law enforcement. So we took them there. We took them right on the ground. They got to see it. They got to see the Halcones, both on the U.S. side and the Mexico side, those are lookouts for Cartel de Gafo that operate on two-way handheld encrypted radios. They got some great footage of that. 
Um, she even got to interview two of them and talk to them. So that came up because they wanted to know what we were filming. And it just goes to show the lack of operational control that we have on our border. It was, a, I think it's going to be a great piece, but I, I have to tell you, Dan, I walked away very frustrated uh, with what I had seen at that, at that border. So th- th- there's a lot to unpack here. So um, yesterday, uh, this piece of garbage Otherwise named, uh, otherwise known as Henry Quayer, the congressman from that area, Star County, a little bit in Tidalgo. He's the congressman. He said yesterday, "There's no human. There's only a humanitarian crisis. There's no security crisis." Now, what was shot? What was amazing and Orwellian about that is, like you, you said. So, going back to that February omnibus bill, Quayer recently bragged about that he was the guy that put in the provision that I flagged. Which Republicans at the time said, Daniel, this is an awesome bill. And 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 the pom pom girls, you know, at uh at um all these conservative, phony conservative media outlets were saying what a great bill it is. Speak to our listeners about how he strategically had a prohibition of building a fence in La Gruya and Roma. Explain the geography of the streets there and their proximity to the um, Rio Grande River, and how that is the quintessential area you need a fence. But Republicans signing off on that February bill ensured we don't have one there. Yeah, absolutely. And and all of these areas, uh, like Lagrulia, where you're talking about, that is just outside Penitas, and it it is exactly where we were operating, um, trying to show exactly how the cartel functions and and the trade craft they put against law enforcement. The reason the wall is so important in this area is because the, you the, the water. Is or the Rio Grande River is very close to Highway 83, and so what the goal of the cartel is is to get either people uh, or drugs or weapons or money, uh, whatever whatever commodity it is that they're moving across uh, our southern border to get it to 83 as quickly as possible. And I mean, you're talking not in some places Highway 83 is not even a hundred yards, so the wall. Uh, it becomes very important to be in these locations to help limit that. And I got some great photos for you, by the way, don't forget to send to you, um, of how close that, that roadway is and how effective the wall can be in this area. So we were operating just beyond where the wall stops, and that is where it is completely under control of the cartel. And I think it would stun your listeners to know that not only are they operating on two-way handheld encrypted radios, which local law enforcement don't have in that area, but they are everywhere, over 25 miles into the United States, and they even sit at the airports. And Dan, every time our helicopters take off, they are on that two-way radio communicating back and letting you know, letting the cartel guys know where that helicopter is heading. Because the one thing that they truly fear is our helicopters. They cannot run them, and when they're in the air and, and working along our border, they have to shut down because they can't they can't get away from them. So it is, it is just stunning, the level of criminal activity going on down there. This is also ground zero where you've heard me talk about splashdowns, where the cartel will use a stolen pickup truck, load it with anywhere from 500 to 3,000 pounds of narcotics. And then when law enforcement starts to interdict it, they will turn around and literally launch that vehicle back into the Rio Grande River. And the driver will actually wear a life vest. So if he gets knocked out, the cartel that's waiting for him in rafts can pull him out. This is also the same location where we have the massive bailouts. Um, that's another term your, your listeners may not be familiar with. That's where 
Uh, you'll take a truck, again, stolen uh, from the U.S. side, and you will fill it full of uh, people who just crossed illegally. We'll have these pursuits at over 100 miles an hour. They're just incredible. Um, these events occur all day, every day down there. I mean, it is ground zero. And it is actually, uh, I, I will tell you, just it, it is mind-boggling, the level of trade crap that our law enforcement officers are up against at that border. Yep, no security problem. And, and, and even, even the Freedom Caucus phony conservatives, they won't shut their mouths about humanitarian. It's all about illegals. We have a government of, by, and for foreign nationals. American people don't count. Um, yeah, I know I'm jaded today, uh, Jason. I'm sorry for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if our listeners go on a Google earth google satellite map look at star county texas some of these you know cities going from um you know let's say let's say roma through uh mcallen and mission and you'll see that unlike let's say in uh the desert in california and arizona where there's open desert right across the border so here you have the streets go right up to the border so if you don't have you know, we've obviously said the wall, the wall doesn't help for lawfare and the whole, you know, bogus asylum business, the policy problems, but certainly the criminality, the other stuff, it does help for. And they could just, I'm hearing that, you know, we could see them on cameras, but cameras don't interdict. They just tell us we missed something. And then a minute later, they're in a stash house and we can't find them. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly how it works. And that area where we were operating in is also ground zero for the movement of special interest aliens, uh, which are those people who come from a country with a terrorism nexus. This is where the cartel moves most of them because the wall's not there. So they have the easiest route moving people in and out. And, you know, I got to tell you, I was very frustrated. So for 68 miles of that border, that is uh, that about 48 of it or 45 of it is doesn't have the wall. Um, there were only for 60 for that, for that, for that, space there was only 16 agents operating on the on the water i mean that that is incredible to me the officer safety issues that are present um you know i can just go on and on we have absolutely dan no operational control at our southern border and the whole time i was down there you know all i could think about is where are the helicopters where is the department of defense to send down soldiers to help these men and women with border patrol who are absolutely being overrun Dan, there were times I was standing at the Roma Bluffs, and that area there is basically a uh, high high area where you can look down upon a curve in the Rio Grande River, and you're looking directly at a town on the Mexican side and, uh, called Miguel Aliman that is controlled by Cartel de Gato. And I can look over my left shoulder, and then I can look over my right shoulder, and I can see rafts crossing at the same time. I mean, that's that's the level of tempo and activity that is occurring in that area. And there's no reason that we don't have either FBI, DEA or other agencies, including our military down there helping these agents hold that line. Very frustrating. And and now you guys could appreciate why I opened the show with the way I did. You look at this bill, bill, bill seven. So, you know, most of it's for HHS. (laughs) It's not even for DHS, but the part that is. $793 793 million for establishing and operating migrant care. 112 million for migrant medical care, including clothing, baby formula, hygiene products. 
110 million for travel and overtime costs for DHS. All right. Well, I guess you got to do that. 50 million for improvement for immigration data systems and tools. Again, that's just to protect them from, you know, the family separation stuff. 35 million for transporting migrants among facilities. Um, emphasizing CBP's ongoing efforts to meet national standards within migrant processing facilities. What about ICE? Well, 48 million for transporting of UACs among facilities. 45 million for medical care. 21 million for HSI, counter-human trafficking operations. Yeah, because HSI wants to make sure they have some existence aside from deporting people. Um, 20 million for alternatives to detention. Um... Yeah, so I don't see airplanes. I don't see ships. Here's what I don't understand. Tell me where I'm wrong here. There's a debate I know among well-meaning people about California and Arizona, given the desert conditions and the mountainous conditions, what holding the line at the line of scrimmage would look like. But Texas, you have a river. And Texas is where 80% of illegals are coming in. And in general, Texas is the biggest threat because as you taught me, more than anyone, that has the most direct smuggling routes, right? So that's all things equal. That's going to be the first area they choose is more Texas than farther west. So, and even within Texas, you got the Big Bend, which there is increased activity, but still hard for mass numbers to come there. There's only a certain number of areas they could go to. It's a pretty big area, but certain areas, RGV, a couple areas around El Paso, You line those with boats and aircraft, and you have military there, which the president could direct now. You have all federal agents who could be deputized into it. Wouldn't that solve the problem, and you just turn them back? Well, I think it would help tremendously. I mean, you're still going to have the problem with those who can claim legal status. You know, right now, what you have happening, what you have happening right now, and I was stunned. I mean, I saw it for myself down there. We were there maybe three minutes when we uh, pulled up on the first uh, apprehension of the day. And I saw about, I don't know, five or six family units, probably a total of around uh, 16 to 20 people, uh, men, women, and children, very young ages. And, and, you know, to kind of set this environment, South Texas is very difficult. It was already pushing 100 plus degrees. You had high brush growth everywhere at the water, which is very normal. Um, You have thorns on everything. And Dan, everything bites. Everything's got a thorn. Everything has a stinger down there. And here you're seeing these small children that are crossing that have their clothes just barely hanging off of them and wearing sandals. You know, these these folks are in very bad shape. But I will tell you the frustration even upon that is the criminal side of it that the public never hears about. The parents had a piece of paper in their pocket uh, that had an account number and a routing number. And what that tells you is that the countries they're coming from, they can't afford to pay the peso or the tax to the cartels to travel through. So here they are on, on U.S. soil, and they're indebted to the cartel. Now, that's a form of human trafficking, meaning that for the first time in our country on a mass scale, you know, we had 132,000 people last month apprehended between our ports of entry, and these people are being released into the country Um, and they're indebted to the cartels from the moment they get here, but yet they're here legally. So we're about to see a wave of human trafficking across this country in the world of debt servitude that we have not seen yet. And, you know, it's just very frustrating to see what is happening. And that at the end of the day, Dan, 
the cartels are the ones that are winning here. They're the ones that are making money hand over fist on these people's back. And that's not this story that's being told to the American people. You know, the American people are just seeing these and they are, they, it, you know, it, I'm a father, you know, it, it, I can't tell you what it feels like to be in front of these children and to see these, the environment that they're in and how they look from this trip. It absolutely hits your heart. But the story that's not told that I continue to try to get out is that who's benefiting from this? It's the Mexican cartels. Also, moreover, we're not God. Kate, so we didn't go down and grab kids. We're minding our own business. We have our own families. We have our own country. Okay? If someone wants to open up a, a missionary in, in, in Central America, God bless them. The assets of the government of the United States belong to the citizenry of the United States. They are not the politicians' assets to give away. And the thing about the humanitarian stuff is the more you incentivize it and treat it, the more you get of it. We don't have the ability to protect ourselves and have all fuzzy for every last illegal at every last minute. There's going to have to be a line you draw where you turn them back so that many hundreds of thousands, millions of others don't do the same thing. But if we're reluctant to do that because of humanitarian concerns, then all you're going to get is more of it. And then ironically, once you bring them into the country and do catch release, you're going to be accused of running concentration camps anyway. So the best thing is to hold the line and not let them in, not to let them land like we did with the Haitians. Um, and I know I'm venturing off into the legal stuff, but I want to get more to the mechanics. So, you know, you guys had a pretty robust operation um, last decade under Rick Perry. Could you talk about what has happened over the last few weeks with the assets being pulled out and then what you're hearing, possibly the pressure that some of us brought to bear on Governor Abbott, them reinvesting and maybe going back to the border yeah, at, at sure. a state level. And I'll t absolutely. And I'll tell you, Dan, you deserve a lot of credit for that because you really took that by the horns, spoke to the mayor of Uvalde, who, you know, was very vocal in trying to get the word out about the number of people that was affecting his community and his budgets and that they were being overrun. And, you know, something a lot of people don't want to talk about, but we've just got to, you know, be open and honest about what was happening in Texas politics is that our politicians were missing in action. I mean, that's the bottom line. They, uh, these mayors all the way down from Uvalde to Del Rio to Eagle Pass couldn't get any answers or any support. And our elected leaders in Texas just went dark for, for some strange reason. And even the funding that was supporting border operations and had been since 2006 was not making it to the Texas Department of Public Safety and even members of the Texas Parks and Wildlife. So they pulled out and even some of the ranger recon teams where we have rangers who are specially trained in doing ground reconnaissance operations. Uh, I was briefed that they were uh, shut down and that those, those units were disbanded. The drawbridge program, which puts out, uh, well, I won't give the number, but I will say it's over 10,000 is all I will, all I'll say, uh, completely funded by the state, given to border patrol in a true collaborative environment. Um, that program was down to 30 days of funding is what I was told before it was about to be over with. Wait, th those are the cameras? Yeah, those are the cameras that, that uh, the Department of Public Safety uh, built, utilized, and sent down to the border and gave the Border Patrol to work in a collaborative environment to help them be successful. And even that was drying up. And because of what you did and many others and these mayors speaking out, you know, um, the border operations are back and going now. 
Uh, I can tell you as of yesterday, I saw DPS helicopters back down there uh, helping Border Patrol in the area where I was in, uh, in Roma. But they had completely pulled out. I was on the ground for about 14 hours just on the water working back and forth. I never saw a DPS helicopter or a U.S. Customs and Border Protection helicopter or a National Guard Black Hawk or Lakota. You know, when we were operating down there, you know, I could pick which color helicopter I wanted. I mean, we had so many flying because, and the reason for that for for your listeners is that the cartel will tell you, and I've met with many of them, that when those helicopters are in the air, they have to shut down operations. And it's hard to imagine if you've not been on the water, Dan, but every bend in the river is what the cartel calls a gate. And when a aircraft flies over or there is a, a law enforcement boat on the water, they shut that down or if we have a border patrol agent or a law enforcement officer in that area, and they will shut it down and then they'll open another gate. And that's when, when those gates are open, that's when they can move illicit products, whatever that commodity may be. So it's very important that we have certain assets down there in a layered approach, which I won't go into much of a detail beyond that. And when you don't have them, then what you've done is you've opened that area up because we don't have the border wall. And so, uh, that's basically how it's set up and what's been going. But the good news is, is that border funding is back now. Uh, Governor Abbott, day before yesterday, announced that the state of Texas was going to put a billion dollars in funding. So I think, if anything, at the end of the day, you know, they may get a little bump out of this thing. But the thing that frustrates me is that we lost that ground. And I think anyone will tell you, yeah. when you take ground and you own it, you never give it back, ever. And you that's never, exactly yeah. what we did. You never give it back. And again, this is under the Trump administration. We could we could say that the district judge ate his homework or this and that. We are losing ground we had even under the Obama administration. And I, and I think it's just very eerie having you speak to this from a Texas viewpoint today that Congress, um, the Senate, is dealing with this funding bill. You know, states who are, you know, they don't have nearly as much cash because they can't print it. They're doing enforcement. Right. So Governor Abbott is, you know, hearing the pressure and he's going to have more enforcement. Again, nothing, nothing in what the feds are doing is enforcement. Not a penny. Not a penny. It, it is, it, it just, it boggles the mind. From going down there at a federal level, what other resources, again, you and I both know this is mainly a policy problem, but some of the friends that you and I talk to believe that as part of the problem of not viewing this as with a military mindset, a security perimeter, that we have Border Patrol that just kind of like they act like they're investigators. And then that's in a good day when they're not doing the, you know, diapers and stuff like that. That we need we need a military mindset of hold the line secure a perimeter nothing gets over that line deter and defend what resources aside from the policy changes do you think are needed uh, i'm glad you brought this up and I, I will tell you when the president announced uh here a while back that he was going to be creating this borders our position you know at first, I was I was thinking, well, great, another another position we don't need. But now I've come full circle on that, and I'll explain to you why it's absolutely uh, going to be very important. And the reason is because the interagency working relationships between federal agencies and the Department of Defense is null and void for the most part. Uh, we don't have the FBI down there helping to hold the line. We don't have uh, the 
uh, Department of Defense, and we need them. And as long as the this position that the president's putting together for this border czar has the purse strings and the authorities to fire these cogs in the wheel that we have in these government agencies, I am all about it, and I support him 100% on that. I really do. Because we have leadership in NORTHCOM and in the Pentagon that do not look at the border problem as being a part of, of their mission set. They just don't believe it. I know that for a fact. And I also know that they don't believe that there's a win to this, that it is something that is winnable. And for me, I don't, I don't, you know, law enforcement work is, is much different than the military. I'm the first to admit that. But in 21st century policing against transnational criminal organizations, we have to collaborate. If you look at what terrorist organizations are doing and what the Mexican cartels are doing, along with tier one gangs, um, what you see is collaboration at a level of dark networks we have never experienced in the history of our country and really the world. And if we're going to be successful, we're going to have to require collaboration and, and the exchange of information much faster and the working together in, in, in ways we've never done before. We know this works, Dan. It's not a theory. We know it works. And these leaders within the Department of Defense who are holding out have got to understand that you know we can't hire our way out of the problem at our southwest border. The world is coming. What we've got to do is realize that the threats that we face from that are real and that it affects every single American in this country. And if we need assets, then we need them. And if that's helicopters or that soldiers just standing there holding the line, that's what we need. And I'm a firm believer that we should not hold the American taxpayer when we have all of these resources available by going out and hiring 10,000 more Border Patrol agents, because I'm going to tell you that's not going to be enough either. And this is where if you look strategically in the long game of where success lies in the protecting of not only our country, but others. It is truly working together and being successful. And why ask the American people to continue to pay for new resources for a government agency when really what they need to do is be working together? And that's why I support this border czar position to help bring those resources together. And then those who don't want to do that, that's fine. If they don't want to do it, no problem. We can fire them and well, we'll get new people. Well, wait, so, um, so you're, you're, we've you're, got to start doing it. You're saying it's not just a matter of the typical line item. Okay. Four hundred thirty-four billion million for more of this, more planes, more of this. You're saying if we would take the resources we already have, and you just have a full federal approach with all of the active duty and National Guard military, along with Border Patrol and along with other federal agencies, we should be able to hold the line, and certainly with Texas DPS in Texas. Well, not only should we, we can. I mean, Dan, we did it. I watched, I watched overall index along the Southwest index crimes along the border where we were operating dropped by over 20%. I mean, so it went to show us that what we were doing at the border directly affected the great state of Texas and its overall crime rate. So why in the world would we think it wouldn't affect the overall nation's crime rate? We know that it would. And we need leadership right now. Now, everything I'm talking about is mostly at the operational level because I know what success looks like at that southwest border. Look, I, I led the intelligence side of the largest border operation in Texas history, Operation Secure Texas. And I did that for years. This wasn't a operation we did for a few weeks. This was 24-7, 365, putting men and women every week on that border working side by side with CBP. 
and aircraft in the air next to theirs holding the line and actually working this. We know what works. This isn't something that I just think will work. So what we do is, is we've got to get the federal agencies, and I can only imagine how frustrated our president must be, and I sure hope someone from his administration is listening, because when I see him trying to put together this border czar, what that tells me is he sees the lack of collaboration, the lack of wanting to change the 21st century models, and he's trying to, to put people in positions with authorities who report directly to him to make sure it happens. Because I'll promise you, if he could see what I saw, he would be firing people right now. No doubt about it. I mean, that, that's, that's what's frustrating. I, I mean, but, you know, it's so overwhelming. He's daunted by it. Heck, he's the president of the United States. Even just the agency heads directly dealing with this, they come in, they're overwhelmed. The existing staff swings for the other side. So they basically tell, tell them everything you and I want to do is unfeasible. The status quo always wins. And nothing changes. And that's why I think we just need to create an outside firestorm. I don't think we're going to have an inside influence game. Um, I don't think they're going to change their ways. Um, we think you get one good guy in this position, something's going to change. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, the left has an entire movement dedicated to illegal aliens. We don't have a movement calling the play calls for American sovereignty. We just don't. And we're trying to create that. And I think, you know, like I said, you and I need to get together at some point and create a retired law enforcement political group um, with a zero budget <laughs> and you just do it on a voluntary basis and you create reports and you do media and you shadow box the government for what they're doing wrong and, and create a firestorm over it. That, that's what we need to do. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm just speaking out loud on, on air here. Um, I, I just don't know how to get the message out because you have a lot of friends that speak in, in terms of law enforcement jargon, lots of common sense. It's completely lost on these people. They just don't get it. And when I say these people, Jason, I mean Freedom Caucus members. I mean, you know, you, you, yeah. you've briefed some of these people before. They don't know anything. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, too, you know, I, I, I've been very frustrated with what I've seen in regards to how our government agencies are briefing our elected leaders on both Republican and Democratic sides. You know, these folks don't come from the law enforcement or the intelligence community side. It is our job to brief them, to make them understand what we are seeing. And when I'm talking to congressmen and I'm talking to senators and I'm asking them, and Dan, I do it every time, you know this. I say, would you mind telling me when the last time you were briefed on the cartel's capabilities and what is happening at our southwest border? I hear all the time the same thing. Well, you know, we had a briefing about three years ago, but those guys hadn't worked the border in 10 years themselves. And then I heard, well, Jason, you know, um, I've been here now a while. And I've been trying to get that brief, but I can't get these agencies to tell me. Look, I, I truly don't believe that these elected leaders are lying. I believe that our government agencies have forgotten or they just really don't understand is probably the best way to put it, how to communicate uh, without the fear of the intelligence they're providing getting out into the public as divided as we are. But to me, I don't care. It's, we are divided on this issue. If we have to unclassify everything going on at the border, do it. I mean, it's time for transparency it. and it's time yeah. for our leaders to be briefed. I, 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 you know, we, we as Americans can't disagree on an issue 
that has so many things that affect our security at a national security level and the safety of the people we care the most about. And, you know, I just truly believe that there is a lack of communication occurring. And, I, and look, I'll, I'll throw it out there to any elected leader listening. I will brief you on what is occurring on these cartels. I'll say it right here on your show. I'm happy to do it for free because if you knew what we know, you will make the decisions needed to help enforce this border and to protect the American people. That, that's what kills me, both at the border and interior. You know, when you see it on the interior, if they if the American people would know how much of the worst crimes in their neighborhood are from illegals related to transnational gangs, often inspired by the cartels, like just chip. I, I mean, Jason, just this week, I had a listener, Vicky, reach out to me and send me information on a high profile Sonaros 13 gang. I'm sure you're familiar with those dudes. Um attempted murders, very big story in the Minneapolis area. And none of the local reporters bothered to find out that the guy was actually illegal and there was an ICE detainer on him. And basically, um, you know, the Twin Cities area is a sanctuary area. And I'm quoting here from the Star Tribune last year. Some of the Star Tribune last year. Minneapolis they say, has become, where's the word? I'm trying to get the exact word here. But me Mexican drug cartels turn Minneapolis into a meth hub. Okay? Mexican drug cartels turned Minneapolis into a meth hub. Now, that could only happen if you have criminal aliens that are able to operate and not be deported. So they're not aware of what's going on at the border, and they're not even aware of in their own communities. They see, oh, drugs. They think it's like a natural thing. No. If you would deport every criminal alien, which is so easy because they all have arrest records. They, 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 one of these guys was arrested for driving violations a number of times, stolen vehicles. You can get them out of here. But you're right. It's like the mayor from Uvalde told me, Don McLaughlin, that if the American people would actually know what's going on, it would change things. But rather than telling us the severity, Republicans give a loincloth to the Democrats and obfuscate the problem and say, hey, oh, we solved it. We're actually on humanitarian aid. I mean, I, I just, uh, Jason, I just don't know what to do anymore. Well, let me, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to that for just a second because you've heard me say this. Um, it would just stun your listeners to know that Part of the reason that they don't hear about how transnational crimes like you just described perfectly directly affect them, except in news articles, is, be, is not a Republican or a Democratic issue. It is a failure of the Uniform Crime Report, which is the only system we have right now that's working properly, that was created in 1934 and does not capture transnational crimes. So when I go up north and I'm speaking to either professors or the intelligence community or members of the Department of Defense, and I'm saying, guys, we got problems. And they say, Jason, we hear you, but we don't show me the data. The reason that challenge is happening is because the Uniform Crime Report does not capture everything you and I have talked about today. It does not capture public corruption. It doesn't capture kidnapping, extortions, drug trafficking, human trafficking human smuggling, money laundering, weapon seizures, or cyber crimes. And any murders 
or, or, or violence linked back to a transnational criminal organization. Now, that's not a Republican issue. It's not even a Democratic issue. You know what it is? It is a failure of government to transfer to 21st century methods. That's all it is. And so no one is truly lying. They just can't see it. But you know what the problem is? The American people feel it. They feel it in the loss of their loved ones. They feel it in their loved ones who are addicted to opioids and methamphetamine. And that's where this anger is coming from. And I'm telling you, Dan, sometimes when we as a nation can't get the little things right, we never get the big things right. And this is one of them where we've got to get this fixed now. And I hope someone from the administration is listening because we could take this. We could build a 21st century model in 120 days. We could have it up and running and the American people, not just our elected leaders and not just government agencies, but everyone could see what the problem is, how it's affecting us. And then together as a nation, we could build throughout every private, local, state and federal agency initiatives to, using every existing law at every state to go after new 21st century crimes. But I got to tell you, until we get this right, we're going to stay exactly where we are. You know, what, what's interesting is the glue that holds everything you said together, both from a messaging standpoint, informing and educated Americans on the severity and the type of problem we have at the border, and then operationally to actually hone in on the problem and treat it with the degree of severity and with the nature of what it actually is, is designating the cartels as terrorists. That is something the president... Oh, there's nothing I do. The Democrats, the district judge, for reasons only Allah knows, he hasn't done it yet. I, I just like, I cannot, you know, every, and this, this is the thing we get good people into these departments and agencies, sometimes as the head. And every single thing you and I are talking about is unfeasible. And they're obviously telling them, you can't designate the cartel as terrorists. They're, they're not terrorists, not terrorists. You, you know what's funny, Chip? Uh, I keep saying Chip. You know, I just spoke to Chip a minute ago. You know, um, he, he's my guy inside. You're you're my guy on the outside. But there's a lot of talk about you know one of the Democrats referring to the holding facilities as concentration camps. Could you speak to our listeners a little bit about if you want to invoke the Holocaust and some of that imagery, how, how actually it is appropriate when you're talking about the stuff the cartels do. do. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you can't even compare. You know, I was down there and I was getting an intelligence briefing that uh, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people backed up on the Mexico side trying to get across right now. And the cartel's trying to get their piso. They're trying to get somewhat as much money as they can before they cross these people. So, you know, what they're going through in their trip through Mexico, having to work with these criminal organizations and what they're being put through, Dan, I can't even tell you. I mean, from the sexual assaults to the slave labor that they're being forced into. I, I, no, but I'm talking about the, I'm I mean, talking about just in general. They don't want to believe they're terrorists. When you look in Mexico, you see the mass graves. Again, I don't like comparing things to the Holocaust, but the irony is, if you want to do that, actually, that's the appropriate comparison. Mass graves. Um, I mean, you've heck, you've talked about the rapings while they're cutting off limbs simultaneously. I mean, that, <laughs> that is the thing, and they still don't 
they don't want to recognize them as terrorists. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if you just kind of look over the last you know, few years, you know, last year, Mexico lost just shy of 34,000 people murdered in their country. Now, that's that's the most on record as of yet. Um, if we go back to 2007, over 200,000 people killed. Mexico's in a, in a bad place right now, Dan. I'll tell you, um, we see they've got over 100,000 openings for law enforcement they cannot fill. Um, we have seen the, the creation of the auto defense groups within Mexico City. That is a major game changer and a major tripwire and trigger to keep an eye on for those in the intelligence community that may be listening. You know, those sort of things always occur outside Mexico City, not internally. So it shows that every plaza is embattled now throughout the country uh, between cartel on cartel violence. Mexico itself uh, released just last month, and I know you'll remember, where they admitted that 80 percent of their country is under the control of organized crime. So it doesn't matter what I think, what I want, what I believe. I know what the cartels are doing. And this problem is getting worse. And the, and the State Department is the mechanism who approves uh, or disapproves the designation as a terrorist organization. And we're go- they're, going, they're going to do this. Now, the, the question is, is how long are they going to hold out uh, and how much damage is going to be done? But I will tell you, um, we've got to get there. We've got to get there quickly. We're behind the curve on this. And uh, for me, it is about the focus of our government agencies and all within our homeland security enterprise in focusing resources to help Mexico and other nations where Mexico has a presence, or I'm sorry, where the cartels have a presence, which, you know, talking about Sinaloa cartel, they're in 54 countries around the world. But but here's I mean, the most important that's thing. Stunning. So you have the gruesome dismemberment of bodies and mass graves on the other side of the border. But then you have them controlling our side of the border. Jason, are you able to talk about the Gulf Cartel dudes, how much surveillance they have from their people who live on our side that we let in or became citizens to what? So you didn't see any Texas DPS, certainly federal aircraft when you were there. They weren't surveilling the illegals. Could you speak to who was surveilling you and Lara Logan? Is that something you could talk about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I can tell you exactly who it is. It's the Halcones that work directly for Cartel de Gafo. I mean, they control both sides of the river, and including our side. And we do not have operational control of our southern border. We just don't. Um, in, in an area like Roma, Texas, that is probably about 20 square blocks, it's a very small uh, community, you know, you're talking just in that area, probably around 100 to 150 Halcones lookouts operating on both sides of the river. Uh, they know where every Border Patrol agent is. They know where every local law enforcement officer is, and they know where every state police officer is. And when you come into an area where they think that they're not going to be able to move a contraband, they shut down. And it would stun, I mean, it would actually stun the folks that they could see. Uh, There is no best day or best time to work um, uh, trafficking along the border as to when the cartel could or couldn't move product, because that's not how it works. It is a 24-7, 365 operation. And whenever there is an opening, they move product. It is back to back. I mean, just yesterday, I'll give you an example of this. Yesterday, if you'll go to my uh, uh, Twitter page, um, I posted in a 10-minute time span, um, Border Patrol on the ground filming three rafts crossing. A helicopter arrives. 
and they pushed those boats back. The helicopter stayed on, on task until it ran low on fuel. When it left, within a 10-minute time span after it left, rafts were already crossing back. That's just how dynamic it yep. is down there. And this goes back to why I talk about the resources that we need. And, and, and I, I also want to stress, this is winnable. I want the folks to know we can stop this. We know we can. But the problem is we are never going to get there until we have other agencies willing to do what needs to be done and look at 21st century threats the way they really are. The way they really are. And and the way it is, is if you had Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda right on our border engaging in intra, you know, terrorist fights, coming back and forth with guys from both sides living on our side, controlling the flow, the losing side of warfare coming to our side, bringing weapons down. So I want to talk about you are filming with Lara Logan and, you know, you were pointing cameras, you know, to try to like, you know, look at the area and you were approached by two, meaning this is how much they control the area. Uh, but, but, you know, the, board, the feds didn't know what you were doing, but the... Two golf cartel dudes come up to you and want to know, hey, what are you doing? When you told me this story, I thought you meant you crossed into Mexico. You were on our side of the border. Describe that for us. Yeah, absolutely. They were down there shooting. You know, I give her and her team a lot of credit. They were willing to go where even Border Patrol didn't want them to see. And so I took them to area that is truly ground zero for you know, some of the largest intelligence collection against law enforcement in the country. And so we went right into the, the territory and we were sitting there um, over at Roma Bluffs and we could see the Hakons on the Mexico side. We could see them talking on the radios. We could see them really looking over where we were. They brought extra vehicles down and started staring at us. They wanted to, you could clearly tell they were wondering what we were doing. We were not there filming maybe 10 minutes before two guys came walking up um, completely tatted. I saw one of them had an indicator that he was an enforcer for the Gulf. I won't say what that tattoo is here publicly. And I knew exactly what it was. You know, they're just checking to see what we're doing. Um, and they got the call to do it. So I walked over, introduced myself, myself, started talking to them. And one of them literally started talking to us and he began talking about what it's like over there on the other side and how they are at war. And it was really good to let her see that and, and, hopefully we were able to get some of that on film because um, it is their mindset that they are at war. But yeah, the the whole time we're talking, Dan, they, uh, his phone was ringing and back to back wanted to know what we're doing. And I let him know straight out. I said, look, we're just here filming the border, showing what's happening down here. You guys are going to have no problems for us. He goes, Hey, no problem. Y'all have a good one. (laughs) Uh, But that's, that's literally the world we live in. Look, I've operated down there for many, many years. I know how the Gulf works. Um, of the criminal world, uh, as bad as they are, they are, they are, uh, my favorite cartel because I've worked them so much. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with their tactics. So, so that's the thing. They, they have people living and stationed on our side of the border that could monitor Americans like, Hey, are you, are you giving us problems? You're like, no, 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 we're, we're fine. All right, good, good. You know, um, people don't realize that extent. I, I, I hear that local people, the ones that aren't bought out by the cartels that are concerned about things going on, they'll call Border Patrol and Texas DPS, but not the local PD, because they're scared they're bought out in Star County. 
that's true in some of those little communities. Um, and I won't name them publicly here. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes you get a, you get a bad police chief that comes in and, or, you know, some bad officers and that comes and goes, uh, upon, you know, whether, how long they stay. But with that being said, it just goes to show to the level of criminality. You know, you heard me mention earlier that one of the things we've got to look at is public corruption because we're not capturing that. And FBI will tell you their their public corruption cases along the southwest border are there. You know, I mean, they're through the roof and they have put a lot of extra FBI agents down there to counter this. And all of this has to do with the cartel. Again, not, you know, another thing the American people are not talked about, not being told about. And that is the level of influence and how the cartel corrupts. This is what they do in Mexico. This is why they are not a gang. Um, the cartel corrupts everything within the areas with which they control, and that's local, state, federal agencies to include the mayor's office, the governor's office in Mexico, and uh, the military that moves in. So this is how they maintain control. So all they're doing is they're bringing those kind of tactics over to our side. Look, we, you know, if, if we go back to 2015, Dan, when we saw the first beheading, you know, that was a Border Patrol agent working for the cartel. So, you know, we have had, we've seen how they operate. We know the level of corruption with which they're capable of. We can see it in Mexico and we're feeling it in the United States. And it's another reason why we've got to fix the uniform crime report, go with the 21st century model so that we can be, you know, transparent as to what is really occurring to everybody across this country. Well, there you have it. That's the briefing from Jason Jones today. Um, as you could tell, nothing being done in Congress is addressing a single one of these points. It is all further fueling the criminal conspiracy and incentivizing illegals to come here because you and I do not matter to our government. We are dead to our government. Um, I'm, I'm not just pissed off at the Trump administration for this bill. It's the context. It's everything before and after. They're not ending DACA. They're not doing an 1182F shutoff. They're not using any leverage. They blew through the previous must-pass budget bill. They're not fighting on the NDAA. They're, meaning it's not like, okay, we feel we have to give in to this, but B, C, and D will fight on. Nothing. Don't buy the lies you're going to hear from phony conservative media that somehow this is a win and this is good. This is ridiculous. And, and, and this is without me even delving into the text. I'm just reading the summary here. Um, anyway, I got to run. I got to get on the Steve Day show. Sorry for blowing a fuse there, but, you know, I just – some days I just wonder what we're doing here. We'll try to find hey, the solution. Man, you got – can I say one last oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Jason. Yeah. No, no. I just want to say one last thing. Um, I, I, I want to tell the folks out there that the Amer to the American people, the men and women of U.S. Customs and Border Protection are absolutely doing incredible work. Morale is the worst I've ever seen it. Mm. Um, if you happen to run into one, please thank them for what they're doing, uh, because these men and women are out yep. there risking their lives for us. They are all alone on that border, and w they deserve our utmost respect for what they're going through and so i just want to thank them publicly and i hope the american people will do it as well no exactly exactly there are border agents there are ice agents da folks that are really they really do see they see more than what you and i see so they know how bad it is and it, it's so frustrating knowing that their political leadership has failed them but again having phony conservative leaders uh, try to give the veneer that they're addressing it while helping the other side doesn't help either we got to speak the truth Thank you, Jason. Till next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.